Welcome to the HTLL podcast. We are your co-hosts, Emily Hirata, Technical Advisor for Health and Nutrition. And Tino Movuti, Technical Advisor for Water Sanitation and Hygiene. In our last episode, we chatted with Michael Peach, the Global Emergency Coordinator for ADRA's network-wide global response to the COVID-19 pandemic. For today's episode, we will be sticking with the theme of outbreaks and pandemics, but we'll be shifting our topic to Ebola. While COVID-19 has gotten most of the coverage over this past year, Ebola is still very much a threat. In fact, it has recently sprung up again in a few places. With this in mind, we thought it would be interesting to hear from some fellow ADRA colleagues on their past experiences with Ebola response, both while working for ADRA as well as working for other agencies. We have with us Dr. Etienne Longue, Country Director for ADRA DRC, Dr. Yav Gushimana, Associate Director of ADRA DRC's East Zone, and Dr. Nisar Ulhaq, Health and Nutrition Coordinator for ADRA Yemen. Both Dr. Longe and Dr. Gushimana have been involved with ADRA DRC's response to Ebola outbreaks. While Dr. Nisar was involved with the 2014 to 2016 West Ebola crisis response while working for IOM, we are eager to hear the experiences and perspectives of these three gentlemen today. Dr. Etienne, Dr. Gushimana, and Dr. Nisar, welcome. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Emily. Uh, thank you, Emily. I'm, I'm just really excited to have all of you here. I think this episode gets the distinct honor of having this many doctors uh, from all the episodes that we've done since we started this series. It's just really exciting to have you all here and to hear about your experiences. To get us started, we wanted to ask all three of you, what your role was in responding to Ebola. When was it? Where were you located? And what exactly did you do? Dr. Longe, um, would like to start with you. Could you please tell us about your experience in responding to the Ebola crisis? Okay, thank you, Tino, for the question. I'm the country director. Then the Ebola response for me starts uh, when uh, the information comes. I need to share that information with uh, uh, the HP, especially the emergency team. And from there, we discuss how to put in place the first intervention, and then also contact other partner for fundraising. And uh, I work also sometime on the field for the visit, just to do the monitoring and the evaluation of the intervention in uh, the North Kivu epidemic. Um, how about you, Dr. Kushimana? I know you're also based in the DRC. Uh, what was your experience and what was your role um, in responding to Ebola? Uh, the epidemic of uh, Ebola virus disease in DRC began in the province of North Kivu, where um, I am now. Uh, on August 1st, 2018. And uh, this epidemic lasted for more than 24 months. Uh, at the time, I was in Kinshasa, but uh, in February 2020, I was deployed to Goma just to support uh, the team in the field. Um, it's Adra, um, I am the program manager, but also the associate director that you, you say. 
And for this response, I continue to support the field teams uh, in the coordination of um, the response uh, that uh, we had in the response uh, to this epidemic. Uh, these uh, are the nutrition, health, and food security projects specific to this uh, Ebola epidemic. So my role was also in the fundraising through the writing of a project proposal and the concept notes. Thanks for that. Uh, Dr. Nisar, uh, we understand you were in a different region of, of Africa. Um, could you tell us um, a little about what you did? Uh, yes, uh, I was involved in the Ebola outbreak uh, during uh, 2014 in West Africa. I was based in uh, Liberia. I was a medical coordinator for 100-bed capacity Ebola treatment center in uh, Bomi County. And um, I was involved in the direct management of uh, Ebola cases. And later on, when we closed the ETU after uh, Liberia was declared as an Ebola-free country, we established uh, mobile clinic teams uh, to support uh, the Ebola survivors and also the, uh, the vulnerable groups in the community because of the health system was... Uh, affected by the outbreak. Later on, uh, I was also involved uh, in, the, in the transitional phase of um, Ebola outbreak in the, in the region. And uh, I was leading uh, one of the subsector in, the, in Liberia covering three counties uh, as epidemic preparedness and response coordinator, uh, where we were working with the county health teams and uh, with other partners uh, just on the strengthening of the health system for uh, for epidemic uh, diseases. So I worked uh, uh, almost uh, three years, uh, starting from the initial emergency response, uh, transitional phase and recovery phase for the Ebola outbreak. Um, given that involvement by all three of you, I'm sure you learned quite a bit from these experiences. Uh, Dr. Longe, Dr. Kushimana, you were based in the same ADRA country office. So I'll begin with you. What are some important takeaways that you learned from your experiences with the past Ebola interventions with ADRA? Um, Dr. Longe, could you respond to that one? Um, there are several lessons we learned uh, in our past experience in the Ebola response, working uh, in DRC outbreak. Uh, the first one is the involvement of all stakeholders. We saw that when the community, it means the authority, also religious leaders, when they are involved, things can go very quickly and very good. But if we are not able to involve them, they will be systematically against the project and the outbreak. This has been the case for other also partners in the field. Another point important is uh, the partnership. We need to work with all stakeholders in place and to have very clear role and function in the response. Another lesson is we, we cannot forget that uh, the project, we are coming to help the community, then you cannot work for me without me. We need to know that uh, the community 
and the beneficiaries, they are the key element for the success of, of the outbreak. Also, working in the consortium with other organizations help to learn from each other. But during the Ebola in DRC, we also learned that uh, a multisectorial response is very important in terms of not only health, but you need to see what is the wash component of the response, what is the food security component, and also you need to, very, to work very strong on all things about the protection, uh, about sexual abuse, sexual exploitation, and other transversal terms. Um, another big lesson for DRC was uh, the impact of the vaccination. The vaccination give also some uh, impact in terms of prevention of the uh, disease. But when you are working also, we learn that if we put a free medical service in a community, we are able to respond and to prevent not only Ebola, but also some other disease like the no communicable disease, like diabetes, like uh, hybrid hypertension and other, other disease. Dr. Kushimana, um, do you have something that you'd like to add? Were your lessons any different from uh, what Dr. Longe has just spoken about? I think this, uh, this is the same experience, but what I can add is um, it is uh, about the collaboration with other partners for the response because uh, it is difficult uh, that a single one organization to implement uh, or to give a good response. But I think um, the response, when we have, we, we need to have uh, effectively response uh, in the situation, uh, the complementarity is very, very important for an adapted and effective response. Uh, this is a good uh, lesson for this um, last epidemic of uh, uh, Ebola virus in, uh, in DRC. Dr. Nissar, since you were not working for ADRA, but rather a very different organization, I'm eager to hear what your perspective on this is. What are some key takeaways that you gathered during your response to Ebola in West Africa with IOM? Were they any different from what Dr. Longe and Dr. Gushimana have just shared? Uh, yes, uh, it was a little bit different. Uh, as, uh, as I told you that I was involved directly with the management of the, of the Ebola cases. And uh, in that regard, uh, my takeaway are uh, different from, uh, from Dr. Longe and uh, Dr. Gushimana. So I will start with the with the with the case management of the of the Ebola patients because uh, as uh, when we started uh, the case fatality rate uh, was uh, very high in, in the region, but later on uh, what we learned that the aggressive uh, early early diagnostic and uh, the treatment is uh, is making a lot of difference. If people are coming uh, uh, to the treatment centers on time. In the early stages of the disease, 
the prognosis are much better uh, instead of people who who used to come in the third stage with the hemorrhagic symptoms where the prognosis were uh, were severe. So um, aggressive supportive uh, treatment uh, with the psychosocial support for the patients and for their families, it made it, it made a huge difference. And uh, in our our ETU, we were uh, one of the leading uh, in the, in the region with our with the with the survival rate. We managed to treat 90, 85, uh, 85 patients, and uh, we had only eleven deaths in the treatment center. So it was uh, it was quite good in the region, and uh, it was just because of our approach in terms of aggressive support. Uh, uh, for the management uh, for the uh, of the cases, and also I would say the community leaders' involvement because the the county where I was working it was it was um, like a Muslim community and at the same time the Christian community. So we used to bring on board the pastors, imam from uh, from different communities, and uh, even our uh, psychosocial team. It was consist of. Uh, different uh, uh, category of people, imam, pastors, and uh, some uh, consultant from outside. And uh, they were really doing well with the, with the patients. And also at the community level, the acceptance in the beginning was, uh, was almost zero in those communities. They were not accepting that Ebola is real and uh, uh, the INGOs or the UN agencies are there to support. So, but later on, when uh, the community elders, imam, pastors, and the community community chief, they went with the, with the teams uh, to the community and explained them, uh, it was better. And uh, then we received a lot of support from the community. Uh, and also, they started uh, active case finding at the community level. And if someone was getting sick, they used to refer those patients at early stage as possible. Also, uh, I noticed in Liberia, uh, I traveled also to Sierra Leone. Uh, I, was I was working in the region, so we used to have uh, some uh, coordination meetings at the, at the regional level where all the three countries, Liberia, Sierra Leone, and uh, Guinea, were uh, sharing the experience. So what I saw in Liberia, and which uh, really uh, also had a good impact uh, to control the control the outbreak, it was the screening uh, at the checkpoints and at the point of entries. So the authorities they were having strict screening at uh, different point of entries and at the checkpoints. In the, if any suspected case was uh, found, they immediately called the hotline for the referral. So it really helped. And also at these checkpoints, uh, if you are traveling in a in any transport, people were requested to come out and wash their hands and uh, the temperature was checked. So they were doing a proper screening and it really helped. So these are two main lessons learned which I would like to share with you. And uh, I will not talk a lot about uh, the community involvement because uh, Dr. Longe and Dr. Gusmana, they, they made their, con their contribution on that and I totally agree with them. But Without the community involvement, it's it's difficult to make the contribution at the community level, and uh, people will will appreciate if you go, if you have the penetration through the through their leaders, through their elders, they will welcome. There is now a new wave of Ebola. I think the DRC identified 
their first case in mid-February and there's rising fears of a fresh outbreak of this deadly disease, Guinea as well. How do you think the lessons you've learned so far, uh, Dr. Nisar, can be useful in the fight against this new wave of Ebola and any future pandemics of Ebola that are yet to resurface? I would suggest the community engagement uh, will, be, will play a key role to do the screening at uh, early stages. And uh, if they start the screening at uh, early stages at the community level so that they can refer more people with, the, with signs and symptoms to the treatment centers with the, early, uh, with the early stage, so the prognosis will be better. Also, the hand hygiene practice, uh, it will be having good impact on uh, controlling the disease. And Dr. Longe and Dr. Kushimana, how do you think the lessons that you have learned in um, the fight against Ebola in the DRC, how do you think that is going to become really useful in fighting against this new wave? I think that new uh, outbreak of Ebola, we have more elements to fight against than in the past. The Ebola is, uh, uh, the disease is quite in the same region. All communication um, matter about Ebola are a little bit easy because our population, they know already how to, to be with Ebola daily. And uh, all the past uh, successful as lesson learned are helping the new Outbreak Now team to have a very good control of the disease. Then the epidemic is well under control now due to the fact that the population, they know already, and also medical staff, they know already what to do in, uh, when you are fighting against a Ebola virus disease. Dr. Nisar, you had mentioned a little bit about misconceptions in West Africa and working with religious leaders, community engagement, those kinds of things. Um, Dr. Longe and Dr. Gushimana, I'm interested to hear from you about how ADRA got involved in DRC regarding rumors and misinformation. And if they didn't, if they weren't involved, if you weren't involved with that, is it something that you think we should be involved with um, for future outbreaks? I think uh, for ADRA, DRC, yes. Uh, ADRA was involved in uh, this issue about uh, rumors and uh, misinformation. Uh, I think we, we had uh, two projects funding by UNICEF and the uh, Australian government to implement uh, at least um, the project based on behavioral change communication. Um, this, this is to, to give the, the right information to the community. Uh, as you know, the big problem with uh, uh, this region was uh, about uh, the information, the good information, and the strategy has been quite effective because we have, uh, we have been working with the community, the communities at uh, the local level. 
the good thing is the advantage of Adra is that uh, it is a fed-based fed-based NGO, and uh, it's it has been easy to to work with a religious community of uh, any first Protestants, Catholic, Muslim, and and uh, and other. Dr. Longe, do you have anything to add regarding the DRC uh, context and rumors and misinformation? Um, in DRC, there was rumors and misinformation, and that led to the clash between humanitarian humanitarian team and the community. And that's why we come up with uh, other response regarding uh, strongly um, the management of the information and also the implication of, of the community leaders in spreading information. Dr. Nisar, you had mentioned just a few minutes ago that in West Africa, there was psychosocial support that was being provided. Um, for for beneficiaries, I'm in in those communities. I'm curious to know how you, as the humanitarian workers there, kept control over your own mental health and psychosocial well-being. How did you strum up the courage to continue working? What what kept you going? Uh, it was really difficult to to work in that environment at that time because. Um, the outbreak in West Africa at that time, it was not having a lot of SOPs uh, uh, on uh, Ebola management and uh, there was a lack of SOPs and guidelines and even the treatment protocols were not lacking of treatment protocols. They were available, but still it was not sufficient. And uh, also challenges with supplies and uh, the caseload in the, in, the, in the units were quite high. So, um, in our team, we had the psychosocial coordinator and uh, some officers and time to time, uh, they were doing a group counseling of the staff and also sometimes individual counseling uh, with some staff who as uh, needed. And we also uh, used to have like uh, a kind of staff welfare or uh, over the weekend uh, when we have less uh, work. So, the colleagues we used to just uh, come together and then it was informal kind of counseling by our colleagues uh, from uh, psychosocial department and also the social the social uh, life was not uh, that much because of the restriction uh, due to the ebola uh, in the country but uh, later on uh, we used to collaborate with uh, with other ngos uh, and uh, partners uh, in the county and uh, it was also like a, a session of sharing the information uh, with other partners but also it was helping you to boost up, up uh, some time and uh, you just uh, meet with other people so and uh, we had the r cycle which was very very short uh, during the heat of the outbreak it was six weeks and uh, you can go and uh, take some rest to see your family uh, it was also boosting uh, and supporting. Those are some great, um, great ways to help <laughs> to help boost the psychosocial well-being of staff. Absolutely, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been. Dr. Gushimana and Dr. Longe, 
same question for you. How have you been able to keep it in high spirits, um, psychosocial well-being? How, how have you taken care of yourself or how have you been able to provide for, for your own staff there in DRC? You know, when there is uh, a Ebola outbreak, it is a very difficult time. Um, for medical staff, but also for uh, other staff. And um, as uh, leaders, you need to come up with uh, very good uh, um, information or very good speech to do the sensitization of all your team. And uh, for our team, most of us are um, a little bit working as uh, staff, medical staff, and uh, we was talking to them that uh, um, for us, the response to epidemic is uh, part of our, our daily obligation as a medical staff. But also, we put in place some strategy, like when we are sending all our staff in uh, a Ebola locality or Ebola community, they need to have vaccination before to go. But also we need to give them all information about uh, uh, the prevention and also tell them how it is important as ADRA to work with compassion and love. Because if you so you, you just read the rate of lethality for Ebola is so high, then even a physician can refuse to go and work in that kind of uh, uh, intervention. Uh, I think that is something we was working with our team to keep them motivated for the work and for the response. Gentlemen, as we wrap up, um one more question for you, you three. We would be remiss if we didn't mention COVID-19 in this interview. And I'm, I'm sure there are several parallels between Ebola, uh, Ebola response and COVID-19 response. So from your perspectives during Ebola response, what are some things that we can also apply now during COVID-19? Dr. Nisar, let's start with you. Yes, uh, there are many things which can be uh, implemented uh, during the COVID response. And uh, I will again start with, uh, with the community approach. I will share with you some ideas uh, from Yemen because still in Yemen, uh, people are denying the existence of a COVID in the country. So the community uh, engagement is uh, it's really uh, good to do the awareness because here uh, what we have observed that the people go to the health facilities only when they have uh, developed already signs and symptoms and even uh, at, at the critical stage when they go to the health facility and that is one of the reasons uh, Yemen is having one of the highest uh, case fatality rate in uh, globally at this time, which is more than 20% of the positive cases, that could be improved by emphasizing on the community engagement through different uh, levels. And also the, the hand hygiene, 
uh, is very important. Uh, just by washing hands, you can protect uh, more than 50% of uh, chances that uh, you, could, uh, you could avoid getting the infection. Uh, hand hygiene and uh, respiratory hygiene uh, could, play, um, could play a significant role uh, for the COVID response. Uh, I think these uh, two are most crucial, what I, I would like to share. Yes, thanks for that. Uh, Dr. Longe and Dr. Gushimana, anything else to add? For added to Dr. Nisar's uh, response, for me, first of all, it is the question of the good communication about the disease and uh, the involvement of the community and uh, based through the community organizations. Uh, but also, uh, I think we need to capitalize on the accomplishment of the past response in uh, Ebola. But uh, if we analyze where the big problem of the past response in DRC, it was uh, the dissatisfaction of the community, of the population. So for me, we can uh, capitalize uh, two, two things. Uh, firstly, uh, the community um, involvement participation. Uh, we need to involve the local community more in the in the response that we we need to to give. Uh, also, the need assessments for the need assessment, we must um, not focus on uh, response uh, to the disease while forgetting the other needs of life that makes the community vulnerable. Uh, therefore, the occurrence of um, an epidemic, uh, whether Ebola, COVID-19, or, or other diseases, we must always have uh, an appropriate multisectoral response that um, addresses the other urgent needs of, uh, of the community. Dr. Longe. Uh, Ebola response, COVID-19 response, they are just a little bit the same. It's just the difference of name. Um, the past response in uh, Ebola helped a lot in the area we are working in North Kivu because we was already doing community engagement. And for now, about COVID-19, we are doing the same. And we are also adding social distancing measure and a, com a wash component, but also we are working in the vaccination, in the vaccination. It means we are doing already the sensitization for, to the population to accept the vaccination. And that was the same during the Ebola outbreak. Uh, at the beginning, it was not very easy to convince someone to be vaccinated. Uh, I think Responding to Ebola and now to COVID-19, uh, we are doing quite the same work and the work is less easy, especially in the area that we was working before for Ebola because all sensitization uh, campaign can go um, easily now with COVID-19. Thank you. Great points. Gentlemen, 
it is time for us to wrap up, um, but we want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today on your experiences during Ebola response. It's been really interesting to hear about your thoughts and perspectives and the activities you carried out both internally with ADRA and externally outside of ADRA. Um, so just a big thanks to you for being willing to share with us today and with our listeners. If you would like to learn more about ADRA's Ebola response or other topics regarding health, nutrition, and WASH, feel free to contact the Health Technical Learning Lab at healthtll.adra.org. To listen to other episodes of the HTLL podcast, please find us and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening and join us next time for another episode of the HTLL podcast.